Ah, family meeting. I just had a... It's always dangerous to start with a thought that you just had. Uh, but when Chris picked up there on last Thursday, being Ascension Thursday, one of the things, as we, we're continuing on our family meeting, but talking about our finance today, but as we go on through June, I'd like us to continue the family meeting, thinking about uh, these lessons that we can learn from the uh, Israelites in exile and what they had to start to recalibrate. Remember that word we used during COVID about recalibrating how we think and how we behave and how we see our world, how we maybe even see the church and our Christian faith, uh, and what that might look like as we move into uh, the future, whatever that is. Uh, And I think there are one or two things from the exile that would be really helpful for us uh, to grasp in terms of our spirituality. And one of them is the thing that Chris hinted at there, and we'll come back to this, is the following the seasons and the calendar of the church. Because it gives a depth and a richness to our faith and our understanding of the whole story of God's salvation worked out from Advent when we begin to think about the Old Testament prophets right through Christmas, and then the birth of Jesus, the baptism of Jesus, his ministry, and then all the things that Chris mentioned just before the prayer. Because one of the things about the exiled Israelites was that they were scattered and spread all over the place. They were no longer able to just center their whole lives and their whole spiritual life in the stuff of Jerusalem and the temple. And I suspect we're living in a world that is going to go on being scattered, even in terms of our own Christian lives, that we no longer spend five nights a week in the church building and all day Sunday. Do you remember Sunday morning church, Sunday afternoon Sunday school, Sunday evening church, and then youth group? And if you were the wrong age, you got to go to all of them, right? (laughs) And then Tuesday night Bible study, Wednesday night choir, Thursday night house group, Friday night youth, youth club, Saturday night youth meeting. And that was life. It's no longer like that. And the exiled Israelites found other ways to be connected to their story. And part of it was they started to revisit the festivals and the Sabbaths and what that might mean for them. And there may be something that we need to recalibrate in our lives is what is it like to follow the story through our calendar and that maybe that would connect us. Anyway, that was just a thought. Back to the family meeting. I looked at this family meeting and I looked at the, you probably can't see it all. I'm close enough to see that on the flip chart, they've got chores. They've got wash the dishes, clean your room, sweep up, wash the car, take out the trash. Is that right? I'm at that bad distance between my glasses and not glasses. Take out the trash. Uh, I washed the car yesterday just so I could tick one of those off. Um, But you see top left? I thought it said beaver, but it doesn't. It says behavior. (laughs) And you notice that it doesn't have an arrow because it's not a chore. Behavior is internal. It's in here. It's in here. It's about attitude and about things like that. And um, I'm I'm guessing all this other stuff was a cover for they wanted to get to behavior, really, uh, and how people were treating each other in this family. And it may be that some of the kids were arguing a lot or falling out or 
uh, or, or maybe the parents, whatever it was. But there was a heart side to this. And I think there's a heart side to our, our own family meetings, gatherings here Sunday by Sunday, is we're looking for something to, to be constantly in the process of recalibration inside of us. It's not just about turning up, doing some things, and then going back to normal. There should be something bit by bit, week by week, that is being shaped and modified inside of us. So uh, the story so far, that was first year of COVID. We spent that amount. These aren't to scale, so it's just an image. Second year of COVID, we spent more. Third year of COVID, we have a budget. That's this year. It's not a COVID year. It's just this year. Um, and our income so far would seem to indicate that this year we're only going to cover the expenses of three years ago, not this year. So there's the gap. We reckon about a thousand more per week, which is about a quarter of what normally comes in. Uh, that's the sort of money in brackets is what comes in and what we need to increase by. And last week, we suggested that all of us need to review our giving, perhaps increase our giving, uh, or maybe start our giving. And uh, there's a variety of ways to do it. Now, there should be within reach of everybody. Yes, there is one here. Uh, one of these. So it's on the website. It's on the email that you receive every week if you're an email receiver. Uh, but please do take this away. It has all the information, even as gift aid on the back. Uh, you can either do it electronically or use the piece of paper. Um, and this is our income target. We currently have about 90 regular standing orders and then a whole series of sets of envelopes out there. And that's where our income comes from. And we're just talking about our, our bog standard income. If this was your family sitting around the kitchen table, it's just the collection of um, salaries or salary or pensions or benefits or whatever comes into the house and whatever one of the kids is making on a paper round or whatever it is people do these days to, to bring income into a house. So that's, that's what we're talking about as a family, just our income. And here's a suggestion. Now, I'm, a, I'm putting this up with a little bit of nervousness. Um, and there's two reasons to be nervous about what I'm going to put up. Is Here's one way we could meet our our target for this year. Look at that. And that's extra. Okay? So if we got all of those, that's 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 62 households. So well within our... So the two, the two nervousnesses, can I share these with you? One is that you look at the top figure and go, oh, couldn't possibly. So don't do anything. Or the other one is, oh, I look at the bottom, oh, I could manage that. So everybody goes for that, right? If we get 62 of those, we're in trouble. Okay. Yeah. So just, those are just suggestions of things that we could be thinking about. Now here's a, a very challenging verse out of the Bible. And could I say this is one of 29 times in the Bible that this is mentioned? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Now, 29 times that's mentioned in the Bible. What on earth is a tithe? And this can be, again, can be quite challenging news to people, is that a tithe is a tenth. It's an old word for a tenth. And uh, 
If you want to figure out what a tenth of your net income is, you just look at your pay slip or what comes into your bank and divide it by 10. And again, that can be really quite challenging if you've never heard that before or never thought of that before as how on earth, you know, I'd, yeah, I couldn't pay my mortgage if I did that. Could I, could I suggest that if you've never heard of that before, that you might want to set that as a target and maybe set yourself a five-year plan to get to that. Uh, Janice and I were very fortunate in this in that the church that we belonged to and got married in uh, talked about this uh, quite openly. Uh, so before we, while we were students, we had already grasped the idea. And when we got married and started to work, we were both teachers, uh, it just seemed completely natural and normal. Uh, it seemed to be just what you do. And I remember us going to get to be assessed for our first mortgage and uh, the person sitting writing down, all trying to work out what is your disposable income, so what could you spend on a mortgage, uh, and us starting off by saying, well, there's a tenth that can't be counted. Uh, because that's what's used uh, for supporting the work of God or for charities or for whatever else uh, we want to do with it. And the mortgage advisor just thinking that was a ridiculous uh, thing to apply to your, your income straight away. Anyway, but the whole verse is not that. The whole verse is this. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Test me in this, says God. Test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Now that changes the verse entirely. I'm sorry, this isn't about me and Janice, but we've lived a, a happy, <laughs> sorry, mostly happy, <laughs> yeah, incredibly happy life. Uh, and we didn't eat any potato skins before we got married. You know? no, no. I think maybe ate some on the honeymoon. <laughs> but, uh, and you know what? I would put my hand up and want to say, God has been incredibly faithful in every way in this, in our lives. Even to the point where we stood outside a jeweler's when I was a student training to be a minister with Janice's engagement ring to go in and sell it to see if we could get some money for food. yeah, And deciding to hold on to it. I went home and there was a big pile of 10 pound notes lying in our front hall from somebody somewhere. I'm thinking, test me in this, God says. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will, be not, there will not be room enough to store it. Well, again, when we were students, and we had a little baby at this stage, do you remember driving down the M1 in that wee red Ford Popular <laughs> Escort? And the first thing that fell off was the front right headlight fell out in the ground. And we're driving, Janice says, what was that? And I said, it looked like the headlight. <laughs> so it bounced down the road. <laughs> Let's just keep going. Right, we'll try to get back before dark. Uh, and the next thing, the front right wing fell off. <laughs> What was that? That was a bit of the front of the car. <laughs> Fell off. Uh, um, we told that story. It, it was funny. We did turn around and come home. The next week, uh, family out of our church took us to a second-hand car sales, gave us a budget and said, go and buy yourself a car. I think, wow, test me in this, God says. 
Now, I'm not suggesting you should all like, go out and wreck your cars and expect somebody else to buy you one. But our, our story, and we're not special. We're just ordinary, like everybody else. Our story is that God, in amazing ways, and sometimes in very ordinary ways, like I did night shifts when we were down in the larder uh, to earn some extra money. Uh, there are times when we just have to knuckle down and get on with making the money, looking after things. But other times when God surprises you with incredible generosity. So test me in this. Anyway, go back to the exile. Remember last week we thought the exiles, the two prophets, Hananiah and Jeremiah, one was saying you've just got to get through this for two years, survive. Jeremiah was saying, no, it's going to be 70 years, so you need to learn to thrive. This week, exiles making a difference. Let me, we story about Daniel. Daniel chapter 1. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Then the king, so allow, there's a verse missing there, uh, just to keep it all a little bit shorter. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. So we'd have been safe enough. <laughs> right? Okay. Right. And Ashpenaz was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. Right? These were Israelites. They were going to be reprogrammed with the culture of the place they were now living in. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Misael, and Azariah. The chief officer, or the chief official, gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar. To the others, and I'm sure you know these names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah. This re reframing of their lives was going to include them having to adopt a culture and a way of life that was very alien to them and perhaps even the opposite of what they liked. Israelites would have had very strict food laws about what you can eat, what you can't eat. And they were being told from now on, you're going to eat Babylonian food and drink Babylonian wine. And not only were they, the things around them going to be changed, but that they were going to have their very identities changed. right? Names that people would have thought about, perhaps prayed about, and had given them because it reflects stories uh, from the life of God amongst their people were being taken from them, and they were being given Babylonian names. So makes us face this question, what's our culture doing to us? And of course, when we... When we talk about culture in Northern Ireland, we always think that we're talking about orange and green here. No, not talking about that at all. Talking about what a competitive business world does to us. Talking about what a competitive education system does to us. Uh, what about a, a, a failing health service does to us? Uh, what about uh, politics where we're not sure what we can trust and what we can't? What does it do to what's what is What is squeezing in upon our lives and our faith? that is shaping us 
What's technology doing to us? Um, what's social media doing to us? And maybe, you see, I think mostly we don't even think about it. We just, like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, and Daniel, they could have said, hey, this is great food we're getting now. Let's just eat the whole lot. Let's just drink all the wine they can bring us. Great new names we've got. Great new jobs. Without stopping to think, what, what is this doing to our faith? We live in a world full of choice. Are all choices good? We fill in a world, we live in a world that it demands our time constantly. Uh, we, some of the select vests were at a meeting, the bishop uh, was speaking at a couple of weeks back, and he said something, um, said something that stuck with us. He said, we used to be time rich and cash poor. He said, today we're cash rich and time poor. And isn't that true? Our time. Uh, the pressures on us are work and family and leisure and faith. And we have choices. Sometimes it's like that. Work dominates everything. Family, leisure and faith just have to fit in behind it. Sometimes it's family as everything and work, leisure and faith just have to fit in behind it. Sometimes it's leisure as everything and work, family and faith have to fit in behind it. I'd like to change the shape of the slide and put faith in the middle. And maybe family and leisure and work all have to emanate out of it. Let's go and see what happened. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen... Oh, I've read that, haven't I? Yes. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission. The official told Daniel, I'm afraid of the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men of your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Right, real fear there. Real fear about being part of anything that seems to challenge what our culture tries to do to us. Then Daniel said to the official, test. Test. The same word as in that verse in Malachi. Test me on this, God said. But Daniel said to the official, test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food. So he agreed to this and tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. They thrived on the sacrifice. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar, who was the emperor. God equipped them for what they were going to do in exile. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Do you notice they've got their Israelite names back? So they entered the king's service. 
In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all in his kingdom. They made a difference in their world. They thrived on the sacrifice. God blessed them by equipping them, and they made a difference. And that's God's call to us as the Beaver family, living in this strange world of cultures changing all around us, of demands from everything all around us, demands on our time, demands on our money, demands on our age, our youthfulness, um, demands on our leisure. And sometimes we maybe need to just stop and think, what? What are the things that are eternally valuable and not just what will get me through another week? As I said, next week's Pentecost, so a bit different. Uh, But for some of the weeks in June, uh, I'd like to kind of share with you as a family some of the ways that we would like to shape ourselves and some of the ways we could maybe be making a difference and being a difference as a group of people, what that might look like. Uh, And don't panic, it doesn't mean more meetings, uh, but it might mean, I can't get way back to the first slide, it might mean something changing in the heart and the mind of how we think about our world and how we think about ourselves in that world.